I'm John. And I'm David. And you're listening to the Autocorrect Podcast. So this is our first race recap for 2022. Yeah, so we're going to be doing it in a little bit different format this year. So when there's more than one race back-to-back, whether it's a double or triple header, we're going to do one recap at the end of that series of races. So like the first race was last weekend, and uh, the second race just finished in Saudi Arabia. So it was a double header. so we're going to cover both races today. Yeah. So let's start off with the first one. Yeah, so... Um, New generation of cars. Uh, a lot of teams are struggling with porpoising this year because these are ground effect cars. The, this is the most ground effect these cars have ever had, even though downforce is actually reduced this year. Yeah, you could definitely see the cars bouncing, that porpoising a lot. Uh, the Mercedes definitely has it the worst. Yeah. Mercedes definitely has the worst porpoising issue. But also the Mercedes power unit, it seems to be lacking what the Honda and Ferrari power unit were able to regain from the new fuel regulations, even though on paper, everybody recovered the 10, 15, 25 horsepower that they lost with the new fuel. Yeah, I mean, it it's definitely an issue. And you can you can see in you know what happened last weekend and what happened this weekend, kind of the porpoising is an issue. It it's is, a big issue. It's a big issue. You can see, you know, if it starts getting going too hard, it, you know, you can tell it's hard to control. Yeah, I mean, especially on the straights. You can see the Mercedes really bouncing up and down on the straights. And on some of the onboards, it was especially apparent during testing. Uh, Mercedes seemed to have rolled out some improvements to the floor for the first race in Bahrain last week. But in testing, you could really see on the straights in the onboard camera just how bumpy the ride was in that Mercedes. Yeah, it was uh it was intense. Yeah. But anyways, let's get on to the actual race. So Charles Leclerc took the first pole position of the year. Well done to him. It was great to see a Ferrari up at the top for the first qualifying session of the new of the new era of Formula One. Yeah. It it looks like the battle this year is gonna be quite uh interesting especially compared to last year you know it was mostly mercedes and and red bull but it was entirely mercedes and red bull right it it looks like it's gonna be between red bull and ferrari the way it's going so far the first two races but i would have to agree with that and right now we're obviously only at the second race but right now i would have to say that ferrari looks stronger than red bull even though red bull has quote unquote the fastest car yeah but anyways, so the first race, Charles Leclerc on pole position. Uh, he got a beautiful start right from the uh, lights out. And he kept his lead for a while until lap 17 when things started to get interesting. So Max qualified P2. And uh, he made a huge lunge on Charles Leclerc right at the beginning of lap 17 and was actually able to briefly take the lead. Uh, because it was right at the beginning there, Charles Leclerc passed the DRS detection zone and was able to get DRS and easily passed him again. And I think that was really the first indication of just how powerful DRS is this year. DRS is always a very powerful tool, but wouldn't you say that this year it seems to be even more powerful than it was last year? Yeah, it, it 
you can tell there have been some wild passes. It, it's just, you know, they go flying. They really do. It looks like the other car is standing still. Even though it's only a 15 to 20 kilometer an hour difference, it still just makes it look like the other car is standing still. It's quite impressive. Yeah. And so let's talk about the incidents. There were a few. Yes. So the first incident was, uh, I believe, around lap 40 or so, which was when Pierre Gasly's Alpha Tauri caught on fire. Uh, I haven't read the technical reports yet, so I don't actually know the cause of the fire, but he was the first retirement, and uh, that did trigger a full safety car. Yeah, I uh, it, it it was definitely a fire. <laughs> yeah, there was there was quite a bit of uh, visible flame. Um, it wasn't uh, it wasn't just like a small brake fire. No, no, like this that. was a power unit fire. This was big. Um, also, interestingly enough, with the full safety car, uh, it really started to highlight Ferrari's masterclass strategy. But everybody's always sort of joked about Ferrari's strategists, but this year so far, their strategists have been spot on. Yeah, it seems like they kind of s- stepped up a little more. I wonder if they got a hold of Mercedes' uh, strategy computer. Yeah, really. Or they just got their own working. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't think they have. I think so. they just got better at it or uh, or brought a new strategist on. I don't actually know. But they, they really made a good call holding Charles Leclerc out and uh, were able to get a, a essentially free pit stop onto the safety car. Yeah, it's, you know, I think it's going to be interesting. Ferrari is definitely looking stronger. They're looking much stronger. Honestly, all around, they're looking a lot stronger. To be fair, we don't know about the long-term reliability of the Ferrari or of any car yet. Uh, we've already seen quite a few reliability issues, especially in today's race, but we'll talk about that in a few minutes. So that that is definitely the big question this year is reliability. Yeah. So let's let's you know let's go over the rest of uh, the incidents. Yeah. So uh, three laps to go, lap fifty four, I believe it was. Uh, Max starts. Well, actually, let's rewind a little bit. After the safety car incident where Max sort of lost out because he had taken his pit stop before the safety car. Uh, he was starting to complain about a power steering issue, which they, the mechanics were not able to see anything on, on the telemetry. They, they, they didn't think it was a terminal issue and they were not able to see any, any indication of a problem on any of the tem- telemetry coming back to them. But fast forward to lap 54, I believe it was, he just completely loses all power. Yeah. Uh, the car does coast for a while before it just completely shuts off, and he does limp it back into the, the pits. But it's funny. You can see uh, him fighting Carlos Sainz, and then it looks like he just gives up, but the car gave up, not Max. Yeah, it's it was kind of a shame, honestly. It was. And it, it really was bad luck for Max. That was not the only heartbreak for Red Bull. <laughs> no. The last lap, lap 57, I think... In the last three or four corners, uh, Checo's car just completely shuts off, and it locks the rear axle, and he spins around. At first, I thought Hamilton tagged him because Hamilton was right there when it, when the incident happened. But when you look at the onboard and the replay, it's very clear that Hamilton was at least a few meters back, and the car literally just shut off, and the rear axle locked. Yeah, he was you know he was really close, but it definitely was not. Uh... 
It definitely was not Hamilton. It, no. It, it was it was uh, a failure. So after the race, it was determined to be a, a fuel issue. Essentially, the cars were vapor locking, both Red Bulls. Uh, I believe it was something to do with their uh, fuel tank design and where they actually put the fuel pump. The, the failures were slightly different, where Max experienced a reduced um, fuel flow before ultimately the, the engine was completely starved of fuel, whereas uh, Checo just completely lost all fuel pressure, just immediately lost fuel pressure entirely. Yeah. So all teams used the exact same fuel pump. So when it was determined to be a fuel issue, initially they thought it was the pump, so all teams were allowed to inspect their fuel pumps under park for a conditions, but it was later determined to be a uh, design issue, which is why it only affected the two Red Bulls and didn't affect anybody else. Right. I mean, that was that was the race, so let's talk about the and the outcome of that. Let's talk about who, who won. <laughs> yeah, so Charles Leclerc won and took fastest lap. Carlos Sainz took P2, so it was a Ferrari 1-2 with fastest laps, so Ferrari got the maximum number of points which was just great to see. It really was great to see Ferrari back at the top. Yeah, I it was it was it was nice to see. And we had the added benefit of being in a Ferrari service center watching the race. So it was it was a great ambiance too. Yeah. So Hamilton. Yes. Hamilton third. And only he only got third. He was battling Checo pretty hard, but I think Checo would have would have lasted to the to the finish line. Right. Uh, obviously, he had a mechanical failure, so Hamilton snatched that third place. Honestly, Hamilton is a very skilled driver, but the changes Mercedes is definitely feeling the changes. Very much so. I think that they, I think they put a little bit too many resources towards twenty twenty one and didn't focus enough on twenty twenty two. Maybe they're planning on bouncing back next year in 2023, taking this year to to develop the 2023 car. Uh, I obviously don't work for Mercedes, so I don't know what their strategy is. But at least right now, they're struggling. Maybe they'll come back after the summer break a little bit stronger. Although you can't do any... No R&D can happen over the summer break. So they may just roll out improvements over the course of the season. Yeah. Yeah. But speaking of Mercedes and Hamilton struggling... We come to this weekend, round two at Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, a track which, if you remember from last year, neither of us particularly liked. Yeah, that's a, that was an understatement. <laughs> but Hamilton had just an awful qualifying session. He didn't make it to Q2. He, he got eliminated in Q1, qualifying P16. Yeah. The, the porpoising was just really killing him. Yeah, and uh, that was not the only. No, towards uh, with about four and a half minutes left, actually four minutes and fifty seconds left of uh, Q two, Mick Schumacher had a massive shunt. He yep. lost the rear end going over a sausage curb, and put it into a concrete wall at one hundred and seventy miles an hour. Yeah, if you if anybody goes and looks at the uh, the clip, we were looking at it shortly after it happened, and you can really see where he it kind of hit the curb funky on the edge of the track and he popped up and it was it yeah there's just no con once he was in the air he had no control yeah and it, I, don't, I don't think that was anything he did it was just kind of I, I think it was just a misjudged turn 
which you know happens it's kind of just the way the tire hit the curb too. yeah like you know it's some that's the danger with the sausage curbs yeah and it's it's probably you know unless obviously completely avoiding it it wasn't so really there, there was fault. no tire wall there it was just a concrete wall because nobody intended for anybody to go off there yeah. no, nobody predicted anybody to go off there yeah but he went off and it was a pretty big collision it was a pretty big collision and red he was it, the, the session was red flagged for over an hour i think close to an hour and a half Fortunately, Mick was okay. He was airlifted to a local hospital where he was uh, later released, I think, last night. I, I know he was on track today. He didn't race, but he was on track today. I believe he was released from the hospital last night. Yeah. And the astounding thing is he was completely uninjured, not a scrape. Yeah, I was kind of surprised. I, I thought maybe he'd have a broken bone or two. He he looked to be in pretty good spirits when he was uh, being extricated from the car and uh, and brought to the ambulance, but, you know... You can still be on adrenaline at that point, but he he's incredibly lucky. And I think it's a testament to all of the all of the hard work that the engineers have done to make this sport safer. All of the hard work that Charlie Whiting did. All of the hard work that Professor Sid Watkins did. It, it really shows. Yeah, and then, you know, it was a 170-something mile an hour crash. 170, 173, I think, right? Somewhere, somewhere around there. It was not slow. <laughs> no. It was a hard impact. It's, you know... It was hard to watch. Yeah. He is really lucky that it wasn't worse, let alone he, no injuries. It's shocking that there were no injuries. I, I think 10, 15 years ago, that would have been a fatal accident. Yeah. And honestly. for him to walk away with no, well, he didn't walk away. He was extricated. But to at to the end of the day, that, yeah. with no injuries. That was crazy. That, that was incredible. So. But on a lighter note, moving to this morning or this afternoon's race. Yeah, it was uh, later here because it was... Uh, it was a night race over in Saudi Arabia. Right. Checo took his first ever pole position. Not yeah. only was that Checo's first pole position, that was Mexico as a country's first ever pole position. Mm. Yeah, that was nice to see. That, that was special. I, I wish he had a better race. Yeah. He did finish fourth, which is not an awful finish, but he... Uh, just unlucky. Not even a bad strategy call. Just unlucky. Checo came into the pits. So Charles Leclerc was uh, on the radio saying that he was going to uh, pit to overtake, which is he could have done it. It was probably uh, to fake out Red Bull. It, you know, it was a strategy move on Ferrari's part. If Red Bull didn't react, he would have gone in. If Red Bull did react, which they did, he stayed out. It, he was in a position to do the opposite of what Red Bull did. Yeah. Essentially just waiting for Red Bull to make their move before he made his. And ended up working out. So Red Bull reacted to their radio message because obviously the the teams can hear the radio messages, which is why they normally talk in code. Right. Right. uh, So Charles stayed out. Checo went into the pits. And next lap, virtual safety car. So there were a lot of retirements this race. So it was a very hot race. I don't remember the exact ambient temperature. They said it. Yeah, we mean literal temperature. It was hot. It was hot, which is very difficult on the drivers and even more difficult on the cars. Yeah. So there were... So Mick didn't start. Neither did Yuki Tsunoda. Um, uh, Yuki had some sort of mechanical failure. I'm not sure exactly what. But so 18 cars started the race and only 14 finished. Yeah, that was... You know, they, it was kind of interesting because it seemed like most of them went uh, at once. 
We had what, like three go out at the same time? Yeah, Ricardo, uh, Botas, and Alonso. They all went out in the same lap. Yeah, that was strange. It was kind of... Uh, and they all overheated. Yeah, and then we had the Malachi crunch after that. Yeah, Nicholas Latifi uh, misjudged a corner and put it in the wall. Yeah. Yep. Again, he was okay, which is which is always good. Yeah. But there was there was some good wheel to wheel racing, especially between Leclerc and Verstappen, both both young skilled drivers, and it's nice to see the respect between them. Obviously, they're both fighting to win, but at the end of the day, they they also respect each other as colleagues. Yeah. Verstappen, so Verstappen ended up winning, and right after that, you know. It was a race to the checkered line. I think Charles finished less than half a second behind Max. It was close no matter which way you slice it. And immediately after the race, Charles came on the radio to congratulate Max, which is just a class act. It it was a tough battle to the end, which Charles came second off. But there's definitely respect between the two. It was a good race. It was a great race to watch. This is, I think, what the FIA imagined when they came out with the 2022 regulations. They yeah. wanted to encourage wheel-to-wheel racing, and that's what we saw last weekend and this weekend. There was a great stint between the two Alpines, between Fernando Alonso and Esteban Ocon. They were both racing each other really hard. Yeah. And again, it just showed how powerful DRS is this year. So let's uh, let's quickly talk about who won and the you know the, the positions at the end. Yep. So, you know, not bad. No. <laughs> Ferrari still leads the constructors and Charles Leclerc still leads the drivers championship. Yeah, it was uh it, you know, it was a it was a well-fought race. It was. Also, something else that I I think is worth noting is Haas has become more competitive this year, signing Kevin Magnussen after uh Nikita Mazepin was unable to race this year. Yeah, you and I talked about this. It's kind of interesting because it almost seems like the regulations really like obviously they hit Mercedes hard, but for a team like Haas, that they, they really are more competitive. Because they are more it's competitive. Less about speed. It's less about speed, and the Ferrari power unit is back to being the top, well, one of the top power units. Right. I don't know how you want to define what the best power unit is. You could definitely make the case that the Ferrari power unit's the best one so far, or the Honda power unit's the best one so far. It depends on just how you define it. Right. And I say so far, we're only two races in. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. It it was a very good race. I I, I think it was, uh, there wasn't really any dirty racing. So. No. So far, I think 2022 is living up to what the FIA, Formula One, and Formula One fr- fans hoped it would be. Yeah, definitely. Again, like I said, we are only at the second race, so it's difficult to say. But right now... I'm really happy with what I see. Yeah. So we're going to close out this episode with a round of ridiculous or regulation. We've done a few a few uh, you know segments of this before, but we're going to kick it off this season with a a recap with one. So let's hear the first one. The first one is the Q2 tire rule is now gone, so teams can start the race on any tire they'd like. I think that's real. It is. Yeah, because I remember hearing something about the tires. So So we'll continue the next one with another tire regulation. T2 
teams can now run any tire they like during the race. So they have to stop once for tires, but they can put the same tire back on. I know the one stop thing is real, right? Isn't it? Half is of it, it though? I thought it was. I thought so, you have yes. to do at least one stop. So you have to, to do begin one with stop. That. Right. So that is, I know that part is a, a thing. So what, and then having any tire. I don't think you can have any tire unless maybe it's just because you don't want certain ones. I, I think I'd say, yeah, you have to stop for tire, but I don't think you can do any tire. I think there's certain ones for certain weekends. That's correct. That That's not a rule. You, you have to, you have to change tires. Right. And the last one, aerodynamic testing time is based off of a sliding scale of where you finished. Aerodynamic. Testing time. Huh. Time based on where you've... I'm going to say... No. That is a rule. Really? That's interesting. F1 breaks up aerodynamic testing into two different categories. Computational fluid tests. Right. And wind tunnel time. Oh. So you only are allocated a certain amount of time for each test. And the lower you finish, the more time you get. Right, that makes sense. It's a bit of a strange rule, especially considering not all teams have a wind tunnel. Like, McLaren doesn't have a wind tunnel. Yeah. It's... <laughs> uh, but it is a rule, nonetheless. Yeah, that's, you know, we'll have plenty more of them. There's a lot of weird stuff going There's on. There's a lot of really weird things. So, well, uh... That's going to be it for this episode, and we'll catch you guys next time. Yep, we'll see you in a fortnight's time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>